whatsoever disease he had. So now this was on God's side to send this angel, and evidently he wasn't on a he wasn't on a prescribed day. He didn't come every Tuesday at six o'clock. He didn't come every Thursday at three in the afternoon. He just whenever he came, he stirred that water up. Whoever was gathered around those pools, and they said there lay a great multitude. That's a lot of people around these pools. Whoever got in the water first was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So again, that's God initiating something through the ministry of an angel and their faith in combination to that, I would say. But he's given the first indication by stirring the water up, and that's all on God's side. He didn't have to, have to ask me if that was okay with me or you or any other preacher. These are just some things that God does that you don't have explanation for, but he can do it as long as he doesn't violate his word. Now let me read on. This is getting more into what we want to talk about. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. So he had this weakness in his system for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie, verse 6, and knew that he'd been now a long time in that case, now how did he know that? He knew that by the Spirit, that this man had been sick for 38 years. You know, 38 years sounds like a long time to me. It sounds like, you know, you just want to give up maybe. But it says, He said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? He's asking this man that's impotent. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, and while I'm coming, another steps down before me. In other words, I can't get my body to function quick enough to get in there. Somebody with better legs than I runs up and jumps in or dives in or whatever they did. And Jesus said unto him, Verse 8, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Here it is again. Now, God initiating a healing through Jesus to this one man. Now, we just read there's a whole multitude there, maybe hundreds, maybe even thousands. I've never been there uh, to Israel, to this pool of Bethesda. I don't even know if it still exists. But there was a lot of people there. When it says a great multitude, that's a mass of people, we would just say. But see, why didn't Jesus heal the others? Because he was only moved on to minister to this one man. See, that's why I'm telling you sometimes the gifts of the Spirit will work for certain people at certain times, but they won't work for everybody all the time, normally. So if you're waiting for a gift of the Spirit to function, you may, you may pass on before we get to you. Yeah, and I don't recommend running over across the river to somebody else's church all the time trying to get them to function for you. You should be growing up a little bit in your faith with me also, helping, moving from my side of it to you if I can. I certainly ask the Lord to use me. And many of you have been healed under my ministry of something or another. And I'm, I'm open to that, you know, at any time. Hallelujah. But what I'm trying to show you is this is God initiating a healing, and he only got one man healed. wonder when he got back to this group. I don't know that he did. Maybe he did. I don't have a chapter and verse for that when he did, but he got this one man healed because of the gifts of the Spirit. The word of knowledge was operating in him. He knew that. Plus, he challenged the man, and he said to the man, uh, will you be made whole? Of course, the man gave him an excuse, so it wasn't, I don't think he had a lot of faith, but Jesus had faith, and said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. See, when you're in certain modes of the Spirit, you can say things to people, and your faith will carry that sometimes. 
some things about spiritual power and how it operates. Okay, now I'm not quite done with this. Let's read on verse 10 here. And the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath. He was cured. 38 years sick, now he's cured. He's up walking around and he had a bed, so he had a mattress or whatever, a pad, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he was laying on that, and now he's carrying it around under his armpit, like a Pilates pad or something. It is the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, What man is this which said this to thee, Take up your bed and walk? See, it was the Sabbath, and they were mad about it. Now we're going to get the guy who told you to take up your bed. Religious people are crazy. I'm telling you, they're just absolutely out of their that was healed didn't know who it was for Jesus had conveyed himself away he just got the man healed and just drifted back into the crowd a multitude being in that place afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him behold thou art made whole sin no more least the worst thing come unto thee so here's another little side thought I'm just adding this for your benefit once you get healed realize you're going to have to live right Are you listening? I heard Brother Brother Hagin say this. God's not going to heal you so you can play better tennis. He would heal you because he loves you, but if that's your motivation just to play tennis, I don't know about that. He said, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to challenge him. I think he's a pretty smart man. He knows God pretty well, better than I do. I have so far. I'm just 65. He was 87 when he was on. Hallelujah. Right along with you. And if you were injured in, in something, I'm sure he would do his best to heal you, but not just heal you to get back out sometime and do that again, whatever. I'm just talking. You have to figure some of these things out yourself, but if you listen, I could answer a lot of those questions. And what I would want out of my hand of God is to teach me enough that I'm not stupid anymore, that I'm not ignorant anymore, that I don't understand the question and I don't understand the answer. I'm trying to help everybody. Thank you, Pastor Jacobs. You're welcome. I'm just trying to help. God initiates some things on his own, and he doesn't have to get our permission. Isn't that amazing? Such as angels or gifts of the Spirit. And now angels and the gifts of the Spirit are just one way that God heals. That's not the only way. You understand that too, don't you? I'm going to go over this again because I don't know if you caught it or not. I'm saying if God initiates healing, he's going to have to initiate it on his own towards you, and you have to respond to him correctly. See, sometimes you may have presumed that you were in faith and got in a prayer line and didn't get a thing. Well, that doesn't mean the man or woman wasn't anointed. You just didn't receive it. Why you didn't receive it, you better figure that out. Because the next time you get in a prayer line, if you don't figure out that issue, you're going to be hanging on. Trying to help you here. I'd like to see more results, and, I, and I'm trying to help you to get better results. Praise God. Let's go to Luke 13 here a minute. We're just looking at a couple of these that God initiates, and then we're going to go and look at some ways that you and I can initiate our own healing at any time. So let's go on to Luke 13 here, starting in verse 10. And it says, Jesus, and he's talking about him in verse 10, Luke 13, 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. 
ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, uh, excuse me, yeah, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? In other words, you've got animals that work hard for you, even... Even your animals that work for you, bring them, give them a rest period, put them in their stall and feed them and take them down to the, uh, give them a drink of water and things like that. Ought not this woman, verse 16, being a daughter of Abraham, or we would say a covenant lady, whom Satan hath bound. Who bound her? Satan. He's always the author of sickness and disease. God's never changed places with him. God is not schizophrenic. God is not light one day and darkness the next, or a combination of the two. He's light, and He's always been light, and He always will be light. He's love, He always has been love, and He always will be love. All right. And Satan bound, lo, these 18 years, shouldn't she be loose from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when He had said these things, all His adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by Him. He calls this a glorious thing done by Him. And in verse 13, when she immediately was made straight and glorified God. See, God gets glory when you get healed. He didn't get any glory out of people being sick. Hallelujah. So, again, I'm bringing your attention. Jesus is in a, in a synagogue teaching. And, then, of course, synagogue's not a church, but nonetheless it's a place of religious gathering. Let's say that. And he just calls this one lady up. That's all it says in this account. Just the one lady. Lady, come up here. Hallelujah. Got her healed. So that's again God initiating a healing towards somebody. Are you listening? Do we see one person healed in John 5, one person in Luke 13? And there's other places I can take you, but that's enough time on this attitude of it. I wanted to show you, though, that uh, God will never violate his own word because if he did, he'd be a liar. But God initiates some things on his own, and he doesn't have to get our permission to do that. And you maybe have wondered sometimes, I don't know, you know, if you have or not, but if you have, you ought to stop it. You may know of somebody that doesn't live too right, and they come to church here sometime, they get healed, they get delivered, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, get saved, speak in tongues, go, my God, I never get that. Well, it's not about you right then, it's about that other person, and you got no business to judge them. If God initiates it, it's His doing something to get a hold of their life. I bet if they looked at me back in that youth group that day, in 1971, in December, when I was sitting ten rows back, and people that knew me, the guy preaching knew I was a 
initiating healing towards the Lord. Now, again, when God initiates healing, you can't just presume automatically that you're going to get it that way because sometimes it may not come or it may not come in time. So we have to understand that there's another way. That God, that God's got a lot of ways to get us well, but I'm just dealing with these two areas because this second way is so important to us because that means you and I can initiate healing with God anytime we need it. Think about that. Anytime, any place on the planet, we can tap into healing if we know what we're doing. So let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin on verse 25. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, everyone that we're looking at here has had situations for a long time, 38, 18, now 12. A certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, she was hemorrhaging, we might say, and had suffered many things and many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather do worse. Now, this is not a rebuke to the doctors. This is just the truth that sometimes doctors do their best, but they don't know how to correct everything. Smart doctors will tell you we can just aid in the healing or we can cut something out if it needs to be cut out with the scalpel. But we can't determine whether that's going to fix you fully or not. You know, like the chemo, some of the chemo, you know, is, uh, is good, but it also kills other things in your system many times when you take it. I saw something the other day talking about somebody, I don't know, I guess they got healed eventually because whatever chemo they were taking, it was killing them as well as as well as the cancer that was in their body. It was killing their body. It was so potent. Are you listening? We're not against doctors or medicine. No, I'm not preaching that at all. I mean, if you need to go, go. I go. I go if I need them. Hallelujah. And I take the medicine they prescribe if they do it. Hallelujah. Just talking to you here. And when she had heard of Jesus, look at verse 27 here, and I want to read it from the Amplified. She had heard the reports concerning Jesus. What do you think she heard? I think she heard he's a healer, sure enough. He can get you and heal you because he healed all these other people. And, you know, in his ministry, it was not just beginning. It was established already. And she probably heard Jesus as a healer. He knows how to heal you. He can get the healing power to you, sister. Hallelujah. And it says, for she said, actually the Greek says, she kept saying to herself, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging you, Master, and uh, you say, who touched you? He looked around about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, now notice this, verse 34, Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Notice he said, your faith hath made you whole. Now, see, here's just a little response to a question. People say, well, you know, all that healing's been done away with. Well, if healing's done away with, then faith is done away with. You never heard faith's been done away with. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, I won't turn over there, said if, uh, you know, if faith is done, then we, we're all in a bad dilemma here. 
over there. So faith is a real thing, and faith is for the believers. Therefore, by grace are you saved through faith. You couldn't even be saved if it wasn't faith. Couldn't even be in Christ. So that's just foolishness when people tell you that all that healing's been done away with. Certainly none of this that I'm preaching to you has been done away with. In a church like this, you see it constantly. You know, healing and deliverance and different things over the years, you've seen it more than more than not, and different things like that by demonstration. But I wanted you to read this again with me, verse 34. Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Your faith, your faith will make you whole too. Your faith in God as your healer. Your faith in God as your provider. Your faith in God as your deliverer. Your faith in God as your helper. Whatever it is area you need him to be, but your faith in him as that will produce that for you. Hallelujah. Notice this was initiated by the woman. And notice, too, that in, in, from this passage anyway, nobody else in this great multitude got anything. Are you listening to me? I don't know percentage-wise how many people get what we minister at the altar. I don't know about that. I'd have to check and follow up with you with phone calls and ask a lot of personal questions. I just know this, even if one got it, it'd be worth it. Even if just one of you got it, I wouldn't quit preaching it. No, God's not partial to anybody, but He is partial to faith. Well, I'm going to go up here and see if I get anything. Stay seated. Just don't waste your energy to come up here, really. I'm just being honest with you. Or if you're critical of me and you Hopefully you don't gossip about me or say, you know, what I say from the pulpit in a, a derogatory way. If you do, you probably won't get anything. You probably won't get anything from God either. You're making fun of His servant. That's all I'm saying to you. I'm just, I'm not, I'm just warning you ahead of time because, you know, anybody can get, get cross-grained with you, especially when you preach the truth like I do. I'm not trying to start an argument. I'm just trying to keep you out of one. So, you know, if there's issues like that, then you come, then you're not going to get it either. Or if you're in strife, maybe you live in a strifeful home or you, you live in an area, you know, in your mind that's full of fear and stuff. You're going to have to deal with some of these things before you have a clean heart to come and receive. And all you have to do is just say towards the Lord, if we're talking and that hits your switch, Lord, forgive me internally. See, that's the other thing we need to think about. Uh, faith in His Word will work always, and it will work for everyone, every time, unless there's a hindrance in your faith. Unless there's a hindrance in your faith. Like unforgiveness.
2.11, look at verse 2.11 here, Romans 2.11. There is no respect of persons with God. What does that mean? God doesn't play favorites. He doesn't play favorites. Oh, I like this person, I don't like that person, and whatever. It, it, but, but he is a respecter of faith. You don't want to forget that. God respects people who have faith towards him. And what I'm trying to show you is you can operate through that anytime you choose to operate it. You can release your faith towards the Lord, find you some scriptures, and just receive by yourself if you need to. Now, if you're not at that level, it helps to have somebody lay hands on you and minister to you. If you're not at that level or whatever, or something's a blockage, you can still come today and get in the prayer line. When I get ready to do that, I'm not quite ready yet. Let's go back to Matthew 9 a minute. Look at this with me. We're not really uh, using that many scriptures, but we, we've given you a good uh, foretaste of what I'm talking about to prove what I'm saying is scriptural. To prove what I'm saying is scriptural. Matthew 9, verse 27 through 30. I want you to look at this with me. Uh, Matthew 9, 27 through 30. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to him, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. I want you to notice that. According to your faith, be it unto you. Not according to my power. Not according to Jesus' faith. Not according to Jesus' power. According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. Hallelujah. So they did have faith. I'm just showing you they initiated that. They followed Jesus. They followed him. You know, you know, Jesus isn't here anymore in the flesh, but we're here and you're here. And if you keep coming to church here and sitting up under teaching on healing, you can get healed. I was going to teach another message today, but God changed my message, so I'm teaching what he told me to teach you. But uh, maybe next Sunday we'll talk about every sickness and every disease is what he's taken care of. Not most of it, not just the important things. Every sickness and every disease. That's all the way through the Bible. Every sickness and every disease. I don't want to get off on that. I'm trying to teach you here about when people initiate their healing by going to Jesus, or we could say going to the Word, or we could say going to church and listening to somebody that's talking to you about it, preaching to you about it. Hallelujah. This is critically important to us, to all of us, that you can initiate your own healing anytime, any place, as long as you're in faith. You don't have to call for a hundred preachers and half their wives. In fact, I don't know too much that's been proven by all that, personally. You get enough people praying for this. I don't see that scripturally, but anyway, there's some merit to a bunch of people praying together in a unified manner. I'm not negating that, like a church, but still, I don't know that God's real impressed with just more and more people. And first of all, I'm not sure all of them's in faith. You know, that are praying. You know, I had a prayer group here in our church for how many years was it? Huh? Close to 15 years. And I had to deal with the prayer people after a while. I said, if you're coming here just to learn 
uh, just to do your own praying. You're not here to pray for Aunt Gertie or Uncle Henry. You're here to help me pray for the church and the things that I'm asking you to pray about. You shouldn't be over here praying or over there praying. You should be in agreement with me. This is a this is a group prayer meeting for the church for the things that the pastor, the leader, wants to pray about. And some of them left me after that. You know, I would have thought they automatically knew that. But they didn't. No, they didn't. And we just had a handful for how many years? Eight or nine years. We had seven or eight people. That's it. But, man, we could get it done. Then we eventually grew a little further and further. I think we had about 40 by the time we finally dismantled that. But anyway, praise the Lord. I'm not against unified praying. I'm not against the group praying. But we've got to be in agreement if we're going to be effective. You, get, you know, people just make up their own rules sometimes. I'm going to call the prayer center. Well, does the prayer center know what they're doing? And are you a receiver? Hallelujah. So we just, just we've got to stick with the rules here. And here's the rules. You can initiate your own healing. And like Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And I'd like to say that and that only. It's always according to your faith and my faith. And no more. It's according to our faith. And they are listening to me. Faith is not a hard thing, but it's a way of life. Faith is a way of life. You have to think in terms of faith in your life. And be sure you're in faith. And you feed your faith on the Word of God. And as you're feeding your faith on the Word of God, then faith will grow on the inside of you. And someday you'll be able to do things that maybe you couldn't do five years ago or couldn't believe for four years ago or you didn't see two years ago. All of a sudden, you start seeing things in a different light. Hallelujah. And because you've been feeding on the Word, you've got faith to believe for that. That's what's exciting to me. Hallelujah. So faith worked then, and faith will work today. Hallelujah. Faith always works when it's put to work. 